0: Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 11, our discussion on some of the key trends of Nashville on the first part of 2023. The episode itself strayed from the original premise to become a fascinating look at the emerging tension between the rapid development of drug and diagnostics versus sociopolitical behavior that does not adequately address the underlying sources of metabolic disease. What emerged was a fascinating, complex session. Then from the vault, we have conversation 28.4 from season three, in which Stephen Harrison, Jorn Schottenberg, Louise Campbell, and I discuss how the drug development landscape looked and felt near nine months ago. This vault conversation comes from our preview of International NASH Day 2022. Hint, we have a preview episode for 2023 coming up later this month or early in April. This conversation includes three sections. First, I discuss the law of unintended consequences in the context of the FDA complete response letter to intercept pharmaceuticals of beta an event that many feared would bring all momentum around fatty liver disease to a standstill, but two years later drove real bursts of creative energy and innovative problem-solving centered around the disease rather than the drug. Second, Stephen Harrison and Jorn Schottenberg make impassioned statements that providers will never give up on addressing the challenges of NASH, both because, as Stephen describes, it is not in their character to do so, and because, as Jorn describes, this disease is not going away. As long as people are dying too young from the effects of NASH and HCC, he contends, this fight will continue. Finally, I asked the panelists for bold predictions about what will have changed between the date of the recording and when we come together this coming June to celebrate the sixth International NASH Day. As you listen, keep in mind that we're three months away from the event and soon enough we'll be able to see how some of these predictions stack up this is an interesting although short conversation with large implications so just sit back listen enjoy learn and when you're done join the dialogue on our linkedin discussion group We get three of my favorite themes into the same conversation here, which is the law of unintended consequences, convergence, and complexity. And this isn't all about a butacolic acid getting a complete response letter, but that really did change the tone in a couple of ways. First of all, unintended consequences, everybody feared when that when the complete response letter came that that might be the end of Nash. No one was going to put any money in. We weren't going to learn anything. All this momentum was going go to go waste, blah, 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 blah. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. What happened instead was that people had to be more thoughtful and serious about the questions they were asking. So it stopped being, how do I get a one level improvement improvement in fibrosis, and what in this thing isn't making sense. So the first big what in this thing isn't making sense question was uh, the the Davison paper, right? And the idea that you had coder reliability didn't exist when you were grading fibrosis. And at the same time that that happened, instead of trying to figure out how does everybody fit a therapy around an FXR backbone, people started asking, what's going to be the most efficient way to deliver therapies over time, which is how you get to care continuums and combination therapies and different drugs at different points and all that. So this field really wound up having the freedom to develop its thoughts patterns unanchored from a, uh, different sense, tsunami of billions of dollars supporting a single point of view. You know, all that money didn't show up three years ago. And what's happened in the interim is that people have had to, working with the budgets that they had, work together, think smarter, think more convergently, and go back to basic patterns. And what we're seeing now is, I think, remarkably exciting. The point I was going to make is that the energy coming out of Nashtag this year and the panel with FDA and everything that's ensued from that, every time I talk to folks here, t- two years ago, people were really, gee, is anything ever going to happen here? Are we ever going to get a drug blah blah now the optimism the positive energy that goes one way or another this thing is going to work out is consistent it's the drumbeat i hear in every conversation i have and to those starting with steven who were relentless optimists when people couldn't figure out why there was a reason to be quite so optimistic my hats off to you my friend because not everybody either saw the path or believed you had to keep going anyway and to those of you who did you rohi a bunch of others that's what set the stage for where we are now and yeah i think in 2023 we can't imagine what we're going to see in a year oh and donna also in gli Stephen harrison
1: it all comes down to what we see every day in clinic. Jorn, Louise, what we see is is people that are begging for something to help them. They're presenting with decompensated liver disease. They're presenting with fatty liver and somebody told them for decades not to worry about it. Lose weight and exercise, it's not a big deal. And yet we know it is a big deal in a lot of our patients. And if they have cirrhosis, it certainly is a big deal. And patients know it's a big deal. You know, so when you see that day in and day out, as a healthcare provider, we're torn. We're, our heartstrings are pulled. We, we have to figure out something to help our patients. While many benefit from lifestyle change and weight loss, and some benefit from bariatric surgery, the vast numbers of our patients we see need something more. And just look at everything that we've studied. I mean, my gosh, we were, we've been throwing statins, diabetic, medicine we've tried to anything that was fda approved for another indication that we thought might move the needle we've looked at Um, orlistat vitamin e vitamin c combinations of both those Every SGLT2 inhibitors, GLP1s, and we see positive results coming out of the GLP1 field. But who we are as providers won't tolerate no as an answer. We won't tolerate it can't be done as an answer. There's no hill too, you know, too steep or river too wide to cross. I mean, we have to. We have to do it. And what we're seeing now is a little success begets more success. It begets more until we are all. Riding this wave of energy and this momentum is just building. It's like a snowball rolling downhill. You can't stop it once it starts and it just builds and builds and builds. And that breakthrough is imminent. It's coming. Whether it's a breakthrough in drugs, a breakthrough in non invasives, a breakthrough in our endpoint assessment, a breakthrough in disease awareness and public knowledge, a breakthrough in regulators, a breakthrough with legislators, it's all going to happen. It's just a matter
2: of time. Jörn Roger, let me just uh, say something very quickly in my own and more simple German-English words here, I guess, because I had the same thoughts running today. I heard colleagues say, you know, what are you going to do if this trial fails, the phase three fails, and you don't get a drug approved? This disease is not going to go away. I see compensated cirrhotics developing cancer passing at an early age. We have to do something and we're doing something. And as such, even with a negative trial result, this field has developed with a momentum that This will be brought to a finish
0: line. Amen. I completely agree. So with that, we're going to go to Stephen's closing question. We're not going to write it down, but we're going to have transcripts, Stephen. So we're going to open the transcripts in a year, and we're going to see what the four of us said today. Tell me the big idea one year from now. And as Stephen pointed out, it's probably going to be bolder than we can imagine. So don't be afraid to get out there.
2: So let me go first, or was that an invite to Stephen? I'll, I'll say something because the first is always the easiest and they never hit the target anyways. <laughs> I think in one year, we're going to have a metabolic drug with a positive endpoint and an effect size leading to NASH resolution in a subset of patients. And we're going to start discussing how we could combine this with a drug that's very soon down the line to support weight loss and showing NASH resolution. And as such, I think we'll have the, the discussions around, is it worth to combine two drugs, different? different MOAs leading to natural resolution and what's the importance or what's the what's happening to fibrosis in that context. So I think there'll be a lot of the drug development discussions ongoing. Louise Campbell. I'm going to come from a different angle on that. I'm going to come from the fact that what I'd like to certainly see is that we have comorbidity nurses. Somebody sitting in cardiology who's assessing their patient generally, they're all using non-invasive tools, Fib4 or FibroScan become more usual. And that's happening in an endocrine clinic, a cardio clinic and hepatology clinics. But it should be happening in primary care. So I'd like to see that strength developed because unless we invest and develop that strength, we will not find the patients who we will start to turn around on those interventions alone. And we can measure those outcomes. But the ones who will need the medication, when they become available hopefully 2023 if not early 2024 but if we don't start that conversation now and that funding now we will be behind the curve we'll have medication and no way to get it out and often the funding for the structures is the last thing that comes online okay
1: i'm gonna go my big fat hairy audacious predictions for where we are one year from now number one we're gonna have we're gonna have more drug failures uh it's gonna happen and people think of that as a negative. But as Jorn said, the failures that we've had so far have only galvanized the industry, galvanized our resolve to f- work harder and identify a drug that's effective. And I, and I think that's what we're going to see more of. There will be more failures But there will be successes, and these few successes are going to leapfrog the drug development for our patients. I think also we'll see the results of the first combination therapies really synergizing the field. So in other words, in the past, we've put drug A with drug B, and and we try to look for ways in which the two drugs did better. But, but really, they didn't do much better. I think we'll see in the next year drug combinations where we're blown away with the synergistic effects, not just on histopathology, but on glycemic control. Weight loss on liver fat content reduction, and on atherogenic lipids, all of it, renal disease included. And I think you will not slow down the train of disease awareness. That has left the station, and it's going to pick up steam. As Louise mentioned, the number of people that are on board with International Nash Day compared to last year is the growth is palpable. It's easy to see, and if you compare this year, with last year, with the year before and the year before that, it's significantly more and more. And I think we'll see even more next year. That's where I think we'll be.
0: That's great. And um, so I'm going to go to a different place. I'm going to talk about money because the real challenge here is going to happen when all this hits payers who are not known to invest, who like expenses that fit into quarterly or annual uh, budgets. And a lot of what we're talking about here is long-term. I believe this disease has the potential to be uniquely successful with payers for a metabolic disease because insurers, whether they're public or private, need patients because patients are voters and patients are employees. And if the disease awareness train does not slow down and in fact speeds up, as Stephen says, then the smart people out in front of it will mobilize the patient energy to turn patients into voters and employers who say this has to be dealt with. Too many people are going to die. Too many of us are going to be impaired. And I think if it plays out right, not that it will be immediate. Payers take time, but that we will see more and faster movement from payers than we have in similar situations in the past, or than people are expecting we are going to right now. And that would really be um, that would be the last piece. At that point, we've completely shifted the playing field. With that, Stephen, you and Louise, thanks. Uh, what a great discussion, and what a great way to lead into into International Nash Day, giving people things to think about, and as they as they listen to the panels that will follow.
1: And now, back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send me an email at questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss the ICER draft guidance on pricing for resmeterometer or butycolic acid, an important issue and one where you're invited to join us through audience participation. Send a note to questions at surfingnash.com if you want to request an invitation for the live recording Monday, March 13th at 2 o'clock. Until then, stay safe. Surf on. We'll see you all podcast. Bye-bye now.